Hey everyone, I'm Jay. I'm Sophia. I'm Fishsticks. And I'm Scott. Welcome to Witches Betwixt. No pressure, but watch this episode become like one of the most circulated um, pieces of material out there on modern wording. <laughs> I really need to actually get my fucking what? book written. Like, I really need like, to finish what I started there. Yeah, I'll, I'll be your say, editor. Fish, just like. Oh yeah, Jay's actually pretty good at editing. If you need somebody else, honestly, like who, I, um... I hate editing my own work <clears throat> past a certain point. Like I, you really should. I am, I am an editor, but yeah. like I, mm. I, I'm always really sensitive to the idea that because I have ADHD, because I'm schizo, mm -hmm. I tend to skip entire fucking bits of and trains of thought that explain why I'm saying what I'm saying. So, mm -hmm. like mm. I will leave out whole ass sentences that need to be there, and so. Like, I, when I'm having somebody edit a piece for me, I don't want them to have read it as it goes because they're, they're more likely to overlook those things because they get the gist. Mm -hmm. mm. So, like, my first readers, I'm sitting here going, if anything doesn't make sense or you don't know how the fuck we just got where we are now, please leave a note there. Also, red pen the fuck out of me. I have a thick ass skin. You're not going to upset me. Excellent. If something is stupid, just be a fucking five-year-old and be like, this is stupid. <laughs> No, I genuinely, um, like, I genuinely, <laughs> yeah, I genuinely love editing people's stuff, like, to help them out and shit, so I would yeah. gladly offer my but services. Like, what I was saying last time, trying to say those, like, last time we just even talked about this on the episode, I warded, leveled up as a person on my own wards, right? Mm. And then, like, we're doing this, like, three-ish months post on when we recorded that, so I've had a lot of time to actually sit and practice shit since and, and work on it and have wards, like, get spun up. I had ones, like, work great. I've had ones that got shattered and I didn't even try to fucking replace because I could see what they were doing. Like, I've leveled up my ward game just from fucking talking to you just to be able to even bring it into this episode, so I'm sure it's going to do something for a lot of people. <laughs> But no pressure, you know. No, I'm just fucking with you. Don't pressure. <laughs> no pressure to any of us. We're all quite, <laughs> quite, quite good at what we do. But well, I did off. want to introduce the topic of today's episode, which is the episode title that I've been sitting on for a long time because I'm really proud of it. The world of word crafting. Welcome, welcome. Well, with, uh... I don't get sued. Well, <laughs> don't get sued. Don't get sued. Don't get sued by Microsoft. Now. Ward yeah, versus no. sued. Yeah, Microsoft oh is God, buying, buying everything. Yeah. <laughs> Not to get into capitalism too early in the episode, but oh, God. You need to make it a ten seconds. <laughs> but um, but yes, yeah, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I would say we're all of us are really looking forward to Professor Fish, uh, really kind of <laughs> launching into a discussion on words. It's kind of like it's your specialty, you know, you're good at it. So, um, unless anyone else wanted to kind of open up, like Sophia, did you maybe want to open up, or Scott, did you want to like, did you have like kind no, of like any I'm, opening kind I, of thoughts? I had supplemental shit to add in, like at midpoint. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So, wording. And, uh, like, warding is, is, is on a lot of our minds, usually. Uh, well, I mean, warding is essentially just defensive or protective magic, right? So you are doing something to ward off or prevent, you know, misfortune of some kind. So, like, it, that actually is, is the, the heart of what warding is. Uh, it's, it's known as apotropaic magic. It stems from the Greek um, apotropane, which means to prevent or ward off. And it's exactly what it says on the tin, y'all. Um, when you're warding, you're turning away harm in some way, whether that's 
using a good luck charm, a symbol from a dogma or religion you were raised in or take a lot of comfort in, a tradition or a behavior that's said to avert misfortune or like the evil eye, um, making offerings to protective god forms or spirits that you work with or hold resonance with or, you know, actively worship. Um, and then there's also warding using your own methods and means and, you know, cultivated tech and, and paradigms to, uh, you know, protect yourself. So that that's what we're going to be talking about today. Thoughts? I am very in. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is something that I actually requested that we get back to recording because we already did a first attempt at it, and um, it, it we had to kind of scrap it because it was um, we had a friend come in for the episode as well, but his connection was really bad and we couldn't quite hear him. So yeah, um, it derailed like the whole damn thing. It was not a good mm -hmm. take, but thankfully. <laughs> and we can do multiple takes and y'all don't even know. Ha ha. Yeah. And the second the second <laughs> take is always gonna be better than the first when you're doing it on the fly. So oh, yeah. And like I even personally learned a lot from that conversation. Um I don't want to necessarily talk about the talking points specifically that Fish brought up because I did learn some stuff from her. But in the interim between that conversation, I think it's been about three or four months, because I think it was still rather warm when we did it, and it's like fucking almost february at this point mm -hmm. so it's it's been a minute and i've improved personally on my ward game by leaps and bounds so i have um a good chunk to talk about but it's just going to be my own personal experience um and it, i will get into some tech stuff uh later but i don't want to necessarily like lay it up front and center because it's kind of like i said supplemental you know it's like mm -hmm. thoughts about things i've observed based on the things that we're going to talk about you know i get you so, like, before we get into the nitty-gritty of wards, I want to kind of point out that wards are a very diverse body of work. No matter if you are a thurgist, you know, you're working from the religious or the dogmatic bent, or a thaumaturgist, working from the results-based magic bent, um, there are wards everywhere around you, whether or not you actually realize it or actively notice them at the time. Um, a lot of folks grew up with a horseshoe over the door, especially in the West. A lot of folks have seen symbols on the sides of barns. Um, the arrangement of wood lattices in the front of old-style houses. Um, gargoyles on the sides of buildings. Those are all examples of wards. Uh, not everybody knows it. And sometimes the people that observe these things are not even aware of the, the warding that those, those symbols and you know, traditional features convey. And the benefit of some types of wards is that you don't have to know about those things yourself. Your your average, you know, norm, you know, Joe Q normal does not necessarily know why some of the things that they do traditionally to, you know, ward off the evil eye actually functionally work. And they don't think of them in terms of magic, but it's all magic. It's direction. It's the direction of will. It's the imposition of your will on reality. So you're going to see them in a lot of places. Whether it's the mezuzah on a doorframe somewhere, if you ever see the, the little metal or wood or, you know, decorative enameled tube on a doorframe about at head level, that's a mezuzah. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a casing that uh, folks that uh, practice Judaism fill with a, a scroll that was consecrated and created by a rabbi. Oh, you know what? I have seen one of those before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those mark the house and bless the house and protect the house in some ways, um, depending on 
how orthodox they are, you'll see one just on the front door or you'll see one on every door frame in the house. Wow. Um, so it's an example of boarding. Um, Level two chiming in. <laughs> oh my Another life. one that comes to mind with what you've mentioned is I've heard of people leaving sieves above their doors yep. so that a spirit that comes through has to like mm-hmm. move through all the spots and it slows them down. I think we even talked about it on an episode yeah. before. Uh, yeah, you, I you, did you, you actually mentioned that. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are a lot of different wards that you'll see in places and if it, if it seems out of the ordinary but it's over a, a symbolic or or literal barrier or point of egress or ingress like a door or a window it's it's odds are it's a ward of some kind you just have to kind of parse out what it is and how it works based on the people living there or who put it there so <sighs> like in modern occult practices just like talking about us and our audience most folks think about warding in terms of you know protecting themselves from other practitioners Mm-hmm. but really warding is way bigger yeah. than that and and way more useful than that like most folks who practice whether they self-identify as a witch or a mage or a root worker or any other thing they aren't all that practiced with offensive magic they aren't and they might mm-hmm. threaten to use you know things like vexes hexes haints curses and other types of malefic work far more than they actually try to use it mm-hmm yeah. Because there's such, there's such a stigma in Western culture against that kind of work and this sort of pervasive mimetic in regard to being punished for doing it. Like, uh, everybody's heard of the fucking threefold law. Mm-hmm. You oh, know? God, yeah. <laughs> and how people curse shame online, too. They like, do. There's they do. this attitude if you, if you curse that somehow you're worse than other people or you're doing something wrong. And it kind of also, it's really racist and classist because a lot of people who are from, like, backgrounds that are disadvantaged or like straight up just fucking oppressed have to do oppositional magic because people are trying to kill them and that's just a reality that people who aren't in those groups don't have to experience you know yeah and then there's a, there's a lot of high-handedness when it comes to it but like it's unfortunate because the, the same folks that will get in other practitioners faces whose background they don't know to get off you know like go off about curses and whatnot they're they're being high-handed you know they're very very high-handed oh well you know if what you do comes back to you times three the problem is that those same folks will be pragmatic in their own ethics if it's them doing it in the same way that republican women in texas will go and get abortions because they believe that their abortion is the worthy one even if nobody else is it's the same Uh shit it's the Mm -hmm. same shit it's double standard Uh but like in the end um being exposed to the threefold law mimetic, even if, you know, they try to go out and do it, they often have so much self-doubt and guilt and uncertainty about the process and, you know, all the rest of that, that they'll accidentally self-target without realizing they did, which only reinforces mm-hmm. the mimetic further. <laughs> it's like, if you go into it with any doubt or uncertainty, some of that impulse you're throwing down range is going to target you instead. And on hmm. top of that, if you don't know what you're doing and you don't have causal pathways available for what you're throwing down range to actually manifest it has to ground somewhere it's either going to ground in someone or something around your target or it's going to come back and hit you in the face mm-hmm. so you know, you know. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of something um in the harry potter book right when they're talking about the unforgivable curses the three unforgivable ones they say in the mm-hmm. book like when they're teaching the kids are uh, in 
Yeah, they they taught them. It was when Moody, right? When Moody was professor, mm-hmm. he taught them all three curses. I, have, I haven't read them. This you haven't read today. them? Yeah, so no. there's a scene. So the teacher, he teaches them the three unforgivable curses. Uh, the killing curse, the pain curse, and I forget what the other one was. Like, mind control, I think. Mm-hmm. Correct. I can't remember. <clears throat> and basically what, so you know, ago. what he says is like, you know... Anyone can say these, wave your wand and, and, you know, say the words and you cast the curse, but these curses only work if you really, 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 really mean it. Like, you have to, like, kind of, like, I don't know, it's just kind of like what you were saying, Fish, like how you mm-hmm. have to really have, you cannot have a shred of doubt about what you're about to do. Yeah, you really can't. Like, um, yeah. and I know this isn't the curse episode, but, no. like, <laughs> if I'm going at it, and I actually, I define my curse work as malediction, because it's... Mm-hmm. people throw the term curse around a whole lot and it's become very casual to say it and the shit i do when i have the occasion to do it is not casual it's expensive it's expensive in time it's expensive in resources it's expensive mm-hmm. in focus it's expensive on my emotions because i have to fucking i have to fucking hate something mm-hmm. or i have to be very driven to do it like it has to be very one-pointed and not a lot of people want to drum up that kind of that kind of angst for that kind of shit. And I'm not saying that people who don't do it are somehow better or worse than people who do. Uh It's just the end, the end point is that most people who talk hard about it, if they have to tell you they're going to do it, they're not capable of doing it. Uh Like if they casually threaten with curses constantly, like, yeah, I'm going to curse you, blah, 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 blah. It's like, if they have to tell you that they're going to curse you, if it's not just a warning of, if you do this, you're going to take it in the face, you know, Uh If, if they just like offhandedly threaten you with that shit, just trust that they probably can't pull it off. Most people I know who curses don't even threaten. You just know well enough that if you slap them, they're going to hit back fucking 10 times harder. And yeah. and it's fucking bonkers because sometimes they do just throw for whatever stupid reason they have in their mind, you know? It's Fucker wakes about- up and chooses death. <laughs> Right. It's like, well, once you get into like a deep focus and specialization in this shit, it becomes actually harder to justify hitting anybody. It doesn't actually become easier to do it because mm-hmm. the, the things that necessitate that kind of shit become more and more, uh, more and more narrow. But mm-hmm. the end point is that most folks consider warding against magicians to be the primary thing they need to be doing. And really, no. Mm-hmm. Unless you have a habit of making enemies that actually know what the fuck they're doing warding against other practitioners is really like one of the last things you need to be concerned about uh, warding for the most part is very practical it's very practical <laughs> like mm-hmm. warding your home and like the things you should be warding are, are pretty simple you need to be warding your body you need to be warding your house you need to be warding your car you need to be warding places that you spend a lot of time so if you work outside <clears throat> of your house you need to probably ward your your workplace But those are the four things that you really need to pay a lot of attention to warding. You can also expand to, you know, your family members, shit like that, if you want to, depending on what their use case is, because you're not just warding one thing. You don't just say, okay, going to protect this from all types of harm. Yeah, you can do that, but that's not very specific. And the threats that we face on a daily basis in the West are kind of specific, okay? Mm -hmm. For instance, your car, like I'll go off about warding your vehicle for days because one of the most dangerous things that you the listener do on any given day is get into a fucking car 
Thank you magic. for reminding me to get that <laughs> word for my my sibling's car. <laughs> yeah, like magic works by causal pathways, right? And this is this is this is me asserting my fucking paradigm. I'm sorry, but take that how you will. If there's not you you if if misfortune is going to befall you, it's going to be limited to the things around you that can cause misfortune to happen. And that's how magic works. You don't we don't shoot lightning bolts out of our asses, y'all. Mm-hmm. We shift coincidence and we shift reality via synchronicity toward our purposes so misfortune works that way whether you're trying to ward against somebody who's trying to hurt you or just misfortune in general a highway where all the traffic is moving 75 miles an hour or higher Mm -hmm. where you're passing hundreds of cars or hundreds of cars are passing you every half hour or hour any one of the people driving next to you or around you could be drunk could be sleepy could be fighting could be playing with their cell phone, could be getting head, and might not realize that they're veering into you. They might be scared because there's ice on the road that causes them to veer into you. These are misfortunes that you can ward against and make them less likely to fucking happen. So ward your vehicle. Also, like on a practical note, if a magician that does know what they're doing is trying to hit you and they know what they're doing, in your car is where they're going to hit you. That represents the point of... The point of chaos, the most chaos and movement around you at any given point. <clears throat> That's the most opportunity for their shit to hit you. It will be when you're in the car or when you're walking on a crowded street at night. But that's that's another part of this conversation. Driving, so, in, driving in and of itself is terrifying, you know, <laughs> like, it is, and it's dangerous. Like mm-hmm. people get worried about plane crashes and shit, but the, the place you're most likely to die is in a car, Um which is, is there's other places, but I'm not going to give people ideas to <laughs> right there. So practical warding. Um, there are a lot of kinds of wards. Um, you have ablative wards, and those are wards that you've probably seen before. If you've ever seen someone walking around with a red thread around their wrist, uh-huh. that red thread is designed to attract and kind of absorb um, misfortune and malign energy. And that red thread is fragile on purpose because when that red thread fails and it has taken enough damage, it will fall off of your wrist. That's when you know it has done its job enough. It is spent and it needs to be replaced. Ablative wards, think of them like a flak jacket. Yeah, you can take a couple of really good rounds to the chest, but after that, it's useless. You have to put give to get another one. And ablative wards, actually, they, they have a, a really good purpose because... Mm-hmm. The alternative is a static ward, which is harder, it's more permanent, it can take more damage, but it's also more brittle. And when it fails, it will fail big. Mm-hmm. So, like, imagine the, uh, the the Cathedral of Notre Dame. It burned, what, last year, year before last? In 2020. So, I don't know if this is the case, but it acts as a good example. So, suppose that the church, and a lot of churches are known to have big static wards on them they're hard wards um, and those wards are, are are supported by the people who look at that cathedral or that church as a sanctuary as a place of shelter if something terrible happens that's where they will go all of those beliefs in that place act as a passive ward on top of whatever religious wards are put there by the priest or the people who built it huh. or anything like that so yeah. those represent static wards when they fail they fail bad. So think of it in terms of it suddenly burning down or the ceiling collapsing on everyone inside. Static words are awesome, but you can't just use static words. So like you have to think in terms of ablative. Mm-hmm. For my part, I, I layer my words. So 
the inner wards, the innermost wards are going to be static, but all of the outer layers will be ablative. They're designed to take damage and be monitored and replaced over time. Hmm. Um, hmm. Another type of ward is a diversion ward. This is one that, that Omni actually, like I knew about them, but I didn't really see them as terribly useful until the way Omni described them once. It's the idea of a witch hmm. bottle or a proxy, a false self. Hmm. Yep. An attractant that is away from the caster. This is specifically like magician on magician shit, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you, you put sympathetic links to yourself into a jar or a bottle. You know, all these things that are you essentially by contagion's sake. So nail pairings, piss, whatever. I don't, I don't know. Piss magic. We need to have an episode on that. <laughs> oh, uh, that would be hilarious. That needs to be the 420 episode. Oh we need oh to get, get stoned and talk about piss magic. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're doing piss magic, that ties into cursing because that's what piss magic is. For those of you who don't know, you don't typically use piss for good things. Well, no. I, mean, I was like, you heard it here, the folks. Connection between piss I mean, and marijuana. Like, I mean, other than like <laughs> peeing myself because I'm <laughs> coughing because I'm smoking so much. Like, maybe there's the connection. I'm sorry. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, some some types of terps, some kinds of types of terps, kind of smell pissy to me. But you know, that's just me. Mm. But I mean, like, oh, yeah, I unless that. you're unless you're bell, bear grills, like using piss for something is not a, a beneficial thing. No. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, a good example of words that you use as a magician are ritual words. Things like when you lay down that circle, mm-hmm. that ritual circle where you you are the you are at the center point of of the reality at that point, your axis mundi, or a line or a barrier that you're working within or outside of. Those are wards, ritual wards. But daily wards are, I guess, differently structured, and of course they have different purposes. So, say you're warding your car. You're going to be encoding intent into whatever you know tech you decide to use, whatever magical mechanism, whether that's using traditional protective symbols, bind runes, oam. Uh, if you're you know using gematria or Hebrew, uh, Sanskrit. If you're m- making sigils, using holy words, things like that, you're you're going to use your own methods. But essentially, what you're doing is encoding that symbol or that object as a ward that you then go through the process of creating that's that's sacrifice you're sacrificing your time you're sacrificing the materials depending on what you're doing and you're sacrificing you know the the focus it takes to make those things those, that, that's what reinforces part of your magic and then you're putting those on the car somehow um and th- that can be anything that can be for like a charm hanging from your rear view mirror <laughs> that can be shit that you hide underneath your hood using a rare earth magnet it can be a little hmm? a braid of sweet grass. A braid of sweet grass, yeah. It can be like a, a little glow in the dark statue of the Virgin Mary on your dashboard. It can it can be little hairline fine sigils that you have drawn on the inside of your windows mm-hmm. and your and your in your 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 dashboard or your, your dashboard, your windshield, and your your rear view, and then put tape over to keep them from wearing away, or leave the tape off and use that as an, a sign of ablation. Um, like uh, one of the things that I always advise when someone's trying to ward their vehicle is to use rare earth magnets or paper that they've prepared. So, like, get yourself some traditional, like, rice paper. Get yourself some birch bark mm-hmm. um, cloth. Will work. Really, anything that you uh, you you subjectively <clears throat> hold meaningful, no matter what it is. It can be goatskin, vellum, <laughs> yeah. And you you put your your holy words, your symbols, your signs onto that and then consecrate it and then go out and put those at certain points on the vehicle 
Now, I'm very thorough about my car because I'm one of those people that does get into the habit of making enemies that know what they're doing. So it goes at the front, the back, yeah. and at the midline on the vehicle on both sides. And the encoding that I put into those things is like stuff like I'm hard to see, touch, find, target. I yep. am observant. I will see threats coming. I am easy to see to vehicles around me. That's the other thing. Like, make sure that <laughs> part of the thing that you're encoding in, and you can condense a lot of information into a word. It can be multiple statements of intent that you have sigilized and then put those sigils together into a single symbol. Just so long as you put the effort into empowering each one of them and imbuing each one of them with will, <clears throat> all of that is still there. And if you save that sigil somewhere else, instead of just fire and forget, and you sustain it periodically, that keeps the words good longer. But you want to think in terms of the threats that will happen to you. So if you live in an area where there's a lot of black ice in the winter, you know, six months of winter, be like, my tires are especially fucking grippy. <laughs> I am easy to see by other drivers. Other drivers will avoid me. Things like that. You're working on intent statements, no matter how you're encoding them. And then you're putting them on your vehicle. And you really need to, you need to be able to check in on those things every now and then. So if you have a novel method of, sort of reaching out and feeling how damage how much damage the words have taken and if they can be renewed use it use whatever you can there is no set playbook on how to do this shit just figure out a way that works for you that you can prove like to yourself and do it um the same goes for your house um and i have a lot to say about house words but does anybody have anything to add about car wards specifically um i kind of <sighs> wanted to jump on a blade of words a little bit because i i learned something about that and um would want to add to it good yeah yeah so like kind of something that i do without giving too much of my words away is i work with herbs right yep. and so um the word that i use specifically and it's funny because fish said she has a habit of getting into oppositional fights with other mages because like same i have people reach out and slap my words pretty often right um so I kind of had to up my game. And after we had the conversation about ablative words, um, there's a sacred medicine I use that I'm not going to name just to keep it kind of private, obviously. Um, it wouldn't be too hard to guess if you were to like really know me and like know native culture, right? But I work with that plant specifically and I have like bundles of it set all around my room over like every opening, every door, every closet, you know? Cause like closets are a huge liminal space from what I've learned about like with spirit workings and how things can kind of use them to jump in between um so if you're working with any type of um fresh herbal based um wards pay attention to like which ones take damage and where and how the word falls apart if it does fail um typically you might get little bits like i've had times where um like there's like a little bit of house conflict going on and it's around like the kitchen and i'll see the wards like really take stress from that and like have bits of it just fall off and start breaking and you'll find them on the ground right or there's times where like someone takes a swing and like maybe this the string keeping it together pops or um like a really notable chunk kind of falls out and it really just falls apart you know so um there's varying things that you can do and for me because i you don't ever want to let those words 
stay too or like get too dry if you can for mine personally since it's an herb that i burn daily in one of my devotional activities um i eventually um when it comes to making new ones i gather up all the old wards um i take the string off and i i set the herbs aside so i can burn it and then in that cleansing process it lets out like what's been sent at me back out and it's not being held on right and then i can get the new ones set up and it acts as a process of drying herbs that i would be using in my processes mm -hmm. anyways and because it's coming from a plant that is specifically about warding off thickness and um harm and it's like used for those type of things it's it's i absolutely ideal with what i'm doing and it just naturally ties into how i dry my herbs anyways so rather than having like strings draped across my room with like little branches there that i break off eventually and it causing a mess i have like very mindful set bundles at each of those points that i take from when i need and when it comes time that they are dry i just replace the whole lot of them right and you can kind of see how they they fall apart and like when they're really fresh if someone hits your ward and you notice something happens and it falls apart like you you can reset it and sometimes um this will probably go into a, another part of the conversation if it's moist enough i find you can thread trace really well like i had someone recently um reach out and actually try to take a crack at me and he didn't necessarily like hit me but they got my like ward right and as i was like retying it i got a vision of this person's face so i was like oh okay okay and and it was it was pretty spot on so like um mm -hmm. yeah like thread tracing is another thing that you can tie into your wards too so that if someone does throw at it and it pops you can get an idea of who's doing what but i'm sure we'll touch that in a minute using, um, and, using yeah sorry oh no i was just i was gonna say uh Similarly to you, Sophia, uh, I use um, St. John's wort picked on St. John's Eve, um, which is a traditional uh, English, Irish, European um, traditional witch's herb that we use generally to keep away uh, spirits, because that tends to be more my issue. Um, I used to have an issue with other witches, you know, trying to, to, to do stuff. I don't, thankfully, I don't really get involved that much anymore, but, um, you're retired. Spirits tend to be my, my problem these days. Uh, just spirits that ride the wind, things that just want to come scampering yeah. about. Uh, and I kind of don't always just like having an open door policy. Um, not every spirit is something you want in your space all the time or if ever, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, they yeah. can lie, they can do all sorts of things. So, St. John's wort in particular is very, very good. Uh, as far as the folklore goes, uh, it's almost, it, it, uh, my partner always says it's, it's weird because it's so uh, particular. It says it can keep, well, the, 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 uh, the Christian folklore, the sort of that came sort of later, um, was it could keep the devil 10 feet away from you. Mm. Um, but he always finds like particular folklore like that to be uh, distinctly kind of weird. Somehow for him, it feels, it's just funny. But anyway... Um, it's a very powerful tool to, uh, kind of, uh, keep out all that stuff. But the, the interesting thing is, is that uh, it has to be renewed every year. So I have, uh, St. Uh, St. John's Eve this year is in, uh, what day is the fall on? I apologize. June 23rd. Um, and I put mine up, uh, like, like a little while after, or well, last year, I have to look and see what it was last year. But, uh, every year you have to put a new sprig above the door. Hmm. So. 
And that's the nature of ablative wards is that they take damage over time. And it, it you are only you are going to know your use case and the amount of time that you can estimate those wards to be good for. And that, that actually, what you've talked about, the randoms that kind of wander through and drift through, that's another mm -hmm. key point of warding. Like I talk about how magicians, warding versus magicians is not the primary purpose of the wards. Mm -hmm. That's very true. One of the things that people seem to overlook is that the, uh, for lack of a better term, like the astral ecology of every area is going to be different. Mm -hmm. There are going to be high, high tides and low tides and storms and things that are happening that because we only have one foot in that, we don't necessarily, we don't necessarily notice in the same way that something that's exclusively in that realm would know. So if you live in an area that has spiritual turbulence all the fucking time, those are going to erode at your wards in the same way that a tide will erode at yeah. rocks on the shore. So they're going to take natural damage over time just because they're helping stabilize all that energy within the space that you are warding, whether that's your car, your house, mm. or your, 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 your body or your workplace, wherever the fuck else. Um, they're designed to kind of not really terraform, but just keep that area stable in other ways so like if you know that you live in a place that has a lot of spiritual turbulence ward against that too make it you know make your area make your shelter the places that you have warded your safe zones a calm place and if you've got a lot of like spiritual movement like if there are a bunch of townies that just sort of lurk around like ambient spirits that you don't necessarily want roaming around in your space or that you know some of them are harmful or some of them are you know mischievous in not that, that not funny way you can ward mm. versus those. And they like and there are a lot of ways that you can go about warding too. Warding is really all about how you subjectively see those wards working. So like for me, a lot of my wards are, especially the outer layers, are designed to be frictionless. I always think about the 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 ship at the end of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The ship whose whose hull is so so frictionless and and so poorly reflective that it's hard to see it against the backdrop of space. And that's how I designed the, the outermost layers of my wards. It makes me hard to touch. It's hard to get a toehold in my area. It's hard to notice by passerbys, whether, you know, they're magicians or just random people looking for somewhere to burgle. burgle. Like, mm -hmm. make my place less of a target. Make it harder to notice. Make it not stand out. That's, I was going to say, I actually do uh, a lot of, like, for the, I guess, the outermost, as you said, layer. I try to do, like, invisibility or going unnoticed sort making of make my place just mm. yeah making it you know just you, your eyes just kind of move over it you know what i mean yeah you just kind of you acknowledge it but eh. just, you're hiding as a hidden gem in funny, blind spot, you know mm -hmm. because i deliberately cast something on myself and work with something to be able to see things like that as part of my defenses as like kind of a true sight spell because very often a lot of people can like put up charms to kind of try and like lull you one way. And I notice I don't get charmed quite as quick as other people do with certain situations and um, spots that are like really easy to slip over. I kind of have almost like a sense that alerts me to it sometimes. So um, I don't know. There's also ways to hone in on those too. And I would almost try to work something into it to, to uh, this is going to shoot me in the foot but maybe try and work something into it to factor into people like me who deliberately have stuff up to look for that so I can I can spot liminal spaces and in-betweens because that's like a big thing of what I do with synchronicity magic right and um, very often I've even had people be like how did you find this or like where do you even get this or like how did you find us you know sort of thing so well, I mean um, 
magicians yeah. are kind of masters of the blind spot though and like i'm not i'm not really worried about magicians when it comes to a lot of those outermost layers some of them yeah but for the most part i'm more or less worried about the dudes that are walking through the courtyard late at night who are casing or mm-hmm. yeah you i know, get you <laughs> someone who's looking to vandalize my vehicle like they're going to overlook my car because it looks unremarkable and that that also leads into things like causal pathways like uh, when you're warding it's not just about the magic it's about cutting down on the number of pathways by which misfortune can happen to you, whether that's a magician who is throwing hate your way, or it's just misfortune that becomes more and more likely as you go along. So like if your tires are bald and you ward versus Rex and ward versus flat tires, if your tires are bald, how the fuck is that ward supposed to help you? You have to have a causal pathway for that ward to work y'all. So fix your fucking tires. Mm -hmm get your brakes fixed. If there's something really obviously wrong with your car or your house, like if you know your wiring is bad, if you know there's like one outlet in your house that doesn't fucking work and you end up with an electrical fire because you didn't get that shit taken care of. What the, what the fuck good is a ward versus a house fire going to do for you? Mm -hmm. You have to take steps. You have to go through and shut down as many of those causal pathways as you can for your ward to work. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's that same adage of it's so much easier to make someone fall in front of a moving bus than it is to drop one on someone from orbit. It's the same shit. <laughs> so yeah. you know you have to you have to look at your your risk factors. Like if you're trying to ward yourself versus sickness, but you eat like shit, and you don't take care of yourself. If you're trying to ward yourself versus you know tooth damage, but you're not brushing your teeth. If you quit are, calling me out, hey, come on, <laughs> this is everybody. This is the US. This is this is North America. This is EU. Like in a lot of places, fucking dental work is expensive. So like, like why do I just picture you're saying this? I, I just picture <laughs> someone with like you know how people have like those grills or whatever, but it's just like all these different like fucking sigils of like warding oh against bad Oh my god. Mage <laughs> grill. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Although oh. I picture it like uh what you call it, like the sigils are sort of like ground into the tooth, like, yeah. like etched. Oh yeah. For oh, that tooth, you got trend. like your bloodstone tooth, you know, and you got your like amethyst <laughs> over here. Oh, what are people getting teeth engravings now? Is that they're not, they're not getting teeth engravings, but they're filing their fucking teeth, and I don't uh, know why. That, yeah, that's yeah, all that permanently oh, destroys your fucking God. enamel. Like, if you're gonna be doing that shit, that's worse. That's like getting a fucking root canal, but just like not even useful. You don't, yeah, get, you don't get any of that teeth. enamel back. Like, enjoy your fucking enjoy your facades of, of, of fake teeth that you're gonna have to get. Mm-hmm. but yeah it's the same thing like if you're going about warding like practical home warding so we've talked about cars let's talk about houses so when you're deciding how to set up wards for your house you need to look at your primary risk factors if you live on the coast like let's say you live on the gulf coast wildfires are not something that you're really all that fucking concerned about right because you live on the coast mm-hmm. what you are concerned about is flooding and hurricanes and storm damage and, and wind tornadoes damage. now and tornadoes, yeah. I mean, and our, our climate's changing all the time. So, like, really look at the risk factors in your place as you ward your home. And look at the things not only that are the greatest risk to you from natural causes and from little incidental things. Like, if you live in a house that's 50 or 60 years old and, you know, the wiring is bad, obviously, electrical fires are a concern. If you live in a really, really shitty neighborhood and you look at the crime stats and you see that the crime stats are kind of boosted up and they're getting worse and you don't have bars on your windows, shit like that, warding against home invasion, warding against being burgled, warding against being vandalized are things that you need to uniquely worry about and focus on. Whereas somebody that's living in like the waspiest neighborhood in Wasp Town doesn't really need to worry about that. 
you know, you need to look at the Although risk factors. Although they might have to worry about a Karen fucking harassing them and put a word Ward up. Ward versus that. Karen. That's a fucking thing in it. Oh my <laughs> god, what would you use for a Karen ward? A rainbow flag. <gasps> yes. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you give her ally cookies and make her feel good and she leaves you alone. Yeah. Sorry, what you say? No, it was just I was just I was like, no, you can't trust like a rainbow flag. No, like a ward against a Karen is like a toddler. A toddler. It's <laughs> a ward against a uh, Karen. Ward versus Karen is a phone. <laughs> You're filming her. A camera, yeah. <laughs> Even then, it depends on the color of the child's skin, right? It well, does. that is very true. Very, it also very depends true. on what gender you are with your with that child. The, the number of stories mm -hmm. I've heard about stay-at-home dads taking their kids to the fucking playground and getting called out by Karens because they're apparently oh supposed God. to be some kind of fucking creeper. What is that shit? Or, Ooh, or like geez. interracial couples who have a child who doesn't necessarily look like them, but they're the full fucking paternal or maternal figure, and then people treat them like they've abducted them. It's uh, a right. fucking problem. That, are, that or Damn. couples that adopt a kid that is not the same ethnicity or color that they are. What? Oh yeah, I, I, people getting all up yeah. in their business. Leave them alone, y'all. But um, you need to look at the risk factors that are unique to you. You also need to look, especially if you're a magician, you need to look at the things that you are most afraid of because that's focus. The things that you are uniquely terrified of, because you are a magician, because you are accustomed to weaponizing your specific will and your thoughts, you know, and using them against reality and within reality to shift it, you need to be very sensitive about the shit that you yourself are scared of. And mm. you, need to, you need to represent those in your wards, because you could be bringing those things about without realizing it just by being all, all, like, aware of them all the time. Like, Damn, I I'm never scared. thought I'm about that. I'm fucking scared of house fires, y'all. My dad was a volunteer firefighter, and I, I have seen some shit just because like, my mother was a dispatcher, and they didn't have childcare at three in the morning. And so I would get thrown in the truck, and I would have to go out there and watch my dad go into these burning places and Oof. watch people get pulled out of them. And hear all the, you know, the the post-mortem about you know oh they had aluminum wiring in their house and that's why it burned and you know like yeah. crisis response after a tornado and shit seeing like mobile homes that had been exploded into just chunks and like yeah. so like before a uh, house fires factor very highly into my wards and I'll, I'll this is this this is the reason that i'm into wards y'all can i tell you a story yes yes Go for so it. first apartment that my wife and i moved into was this itty bitty rat trap I say anybody rat trap. It was actually the biggest apartment we have ever had before or since. And we paid all of 380 bucks a month for it because of student discounts and a bunch of other stuff. This is early 2000s, like when the world was young and dinosaurs roamed the earth. But when we moved, this is our first apartment together. First time I'd lived away from home. First time she'd lived away from home. And uh, within a couple of days of moving in, I was having these nightmares about fire that I'd never really had before. Like I'd, I was scared of house fires. I had never had nightmares like that ever where I'm like, running through the house trying to find a cat, trying mm. to wake up my wife, trying to get dressed, you know, yeah. and get outside, get out of this burning fucking house. And I was scared of it. And I always thought I could smell gas, even if I couldn't. And this is, this is the first house that we lived in or that I'd lived in in a long time that had a gas furnace and a gas stove. And the gas stove I could handle, but the gas furnace kind of scared me. Mm -hmm. And so I warded it. And the way I worded it was I used certain materials that were, you know, anti-fire. So I had a friend that had some fire resistant cloth mm -hmm. and I cut that into a square and I put a sigil on it that I had built versus fire. This is before I knew basically anything. I had all I had read about magic 
beyond like old ceremonial shit was like Condensed Chaos by Phil Hine and The Magician's Companion by Bill Whitcomb and Real Magic by Isaac Bonowitz. Those were basically the three foundational texts for, for younger fish. Uh, aside from like just ceremonial stuff that I had read and that hadn't clicked. Um, so I created this sigil and I, I sewed it into that fabric and then I taped it onto the ins onto the outsides of the furnace. I went into the furnace closet and taped it on on, you know, multiple sides of it. And I maintained it. And the place didn't burn for the four and a half, five years that we were there. We moved out of there in two thousand five. In two thousand thirteen, somebody hits me up and says, Hey, you don't live there anymore, right? And I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. That apartment that you lived in. Um it here, just look at this. And they, they sent me to a news station and that was local. And the entire, it was a large building, like one of those big several hundred units in a single building mm -hmm. apartment. It was four stories tall. And it was just, it was engulfed in fire. And yeah. we and our, we had a department that was on the bottom left. Like we were far, far end, bottom left, lowest level. It was basement level, basically. Like we had access to a porch and stuff. Like we could have gotten out from either direction, mm -hmm. but it was like the lowest level partially submerged. And I had left those wards when I left. Hmm. It was the only apartment that wasn't burnt. Wow. Yeah. And that was years after we left. That was 2013 yeah. when that thing happened. I'll even put the video in the show notes if y'all want, but it kind of outs where I used to live. But okay. leave your wards behind because the people who come after you might benefit from them. But wards do work. This is why I'm a gigantic advocate of wards. You should be warding against uh -huh. basic shit. <laughs> ward against house fires even if all that ward does is buy you a little more time to get the fuck out even if that means that that firework that was originally going to land on your roof and set it on fire lands in your yard at least it's not on your fucking roof you're trying to divert misfortune that is coming toward you whether it is on purpose at the hands of someone else or it's just fucking life hmm. because bad shit happens to good people all the fucking time it doesn't have to be a war. It does, it does, you don't have to be in a fight with a magician. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to have done something that made you made you uniquely, like, fuck you in particular. Mm -hmm. Bad shit happens to good people all the fucking time. That's a really... What you're trying to do is, like, divert that. <laughs> what? Yeah. I was saying that's a really good point to make because sometimes, especially when when you're younger or just beginning to get into magic and things like that, um you kind of start to think, oh, every bad little thing that happens to me is because someone's working something against me, right? Yeah. You know, sometimes you can fall <laughs> yeah, into that trap. Narrative. Yeah. And so it's just really, it's really important to make that distinction that sometimes shit just happens. Yeah. And it, there's always, and especially with younger practitioners who are just realizing, oh shit, magic is real. Oh mm -hmm. shit, you can do a lot of weird ass things with magic I never realized you could do. Mm -hmm. when they're first when they're first doing that they tend to see enemies everywhere and if you're talking to someone oh, yeah. new who is just now hearing about some of the shit you're involved in you the gray beard you know mm -hmm. the person who's seen some shit and you're like yep yep one of my regulars just popped me and they're like oh, mage war it's like no 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 <laughs> just shut the fuck up just be quiet not everything bad that happens to you is the result of a curse. In fact, most of it fucking isn't. 99% mm -hmm. of the shit that happens to you. Like, and it's ridiculous. Like, sometimes I'll see older magicians that still think that way. Like, I had, and, and sometimes they'll do it to try and, and get, a, get a leg over on you or try to, to show you up in some way. Like, I've got this guy 
um, who keeps hitting me up every now and then is like, wow, all the misfortunes that happened to, uh, to, to Sora fish sticks. I have to wonder if they're a result of her trying to hit me <laughs> and it going back to her. It's like, I don't give enough of a fuck about you to hit you in the first place. And I don't hit people who are clearly mentally ill, which you are. You know, you, you so, don't get yeah. to you don't get to put those fucking words out there and actually, you know, pretend to believe them. Like, and if you do, what the fuck? Wow. But you'll run into people who are like, oh, <laughs> this is a thing too. Like, if if you're on social media or internet of culture, half the time if you talk about some of the shit that's going on in your life, people will suddenly forget that bad shit happens to good people all the time, and they'll be like, oh, she's been cursed. There's a hate. Uh -huh. You've been vexed. You've you've been maledicted. You've You've done something. You've 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 earned the the ire of the Black Lodge, the them, the whatever. It's like no, 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 no. Sometimes dumb shit just happens. Buy a fucking helmet, ward mm -hmm. up. <laughs> and like, as somebody who's been struck a fuck ton, and Fish can verify that. Oh, yeah. Um, I know where it's coming from, I, and it's I'll, I can tell you this right now. It's from inner culture a culture of bullshit because i take a stand against stuff and i'm a fucking trans woman and that's that's fucking significant majority of it right there and then occasionally after that it's like interpersonal beefs and that's pretty much it mm -hmm. um yeah but like I'll say though like and i'm not like obviously i'm not trying to like contradict fish at all i completely agree um no no go ahead but uh i will say that uh like having worked at uh harry's occult shop when i was 19 and stuff like that which was which was once a popular occult shop here uh in philly um there was or is a a sort of underbelly if you will of what is normally and i, I don't know exactly like you know the whole a culture of it because i still love that um but there is a thing with people still trying to backbite using magic at mm -hmm. times. So you, you you mentioned fish that you'll you'll find even older practitioners. Mm -hmm. um, I find a lot of the time though that like a lot of them are traditional craft uh, folk magic practitioners, um, uh, tra tra uh, tra practitioners of more uh, um, ancestral traditions. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, there is a culture like even in uh, Italy or uh, here in uh, here in like South Philly even, but there's like even uh, stories I've read from Italy and uh, Appalachia where people do for whatever reason in in the in the uh, you know if you want to call them old school traditions whatever um, they for whatever reason do have a, a a culture of using magic as a form of it's almost like. Um, like, like gossip you know like they, they use it in the same way that they use gossip i'm not saying that they're like cursing the whole family line kind of thing but like they no, had no, no problem no, like throwing a powder on their doorstep you know what i mean to yeah they'll give them a hot foot or some shit yeah yeah like and like for whatever reason that's a thing but yeah, I, mean, I totally feel what you're saying <laughs> in general like for the most part what i'm what i'm wording this for is folks that are not part of traditions that have right. a rich history of that kind of stuff. Like I'm talking about just like your, ra your random folk that, you know, they were raised Presbyterian or lapsed Catholic or something and they picked up a magic book and now gotcha, suddenly they're gotcha. on this rabbit hole. But like, if you're part of a tradition that heavily uses things like vexing, hainting, cursing, hexing, whatever, um, you know it, <laughs> you know, you generally are aware of it or you're aware of it happening around you on some level. It's obviously going to be real different for y'all. Right. But, you know, for yeah. your average person that grew up in a, a very sort of 
I guess, typical American upbringing that has picked up magic in his first gen. Um, that is not exposed to this kind of thing on the regular and doesn't make a habit of making enemies that know what the fuck they're doing. Right. You right. know, <laughs> so, so it, it, you're, you make a really good point and that does need to be said. Like if you're part of a tradition that, uh, that does tend to weaponize this stuff and use it on the regular, you probably know it. And you also probably know also, how to divert it. That but, too. <laughs> quote a member from our server who, I haven't asked him for permission ahead of time, um, so I'm not going to say his name. But and and this is a rather skilled magician. Like this is somebody who I come to for advice on probing my wards and tech I've developed because he. Oh, really knows I know who you're shit. talking about. Fish know knows exactly about. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, when you're and to quote him, he's like he said, when you're on a certain level, when you really um are doing some serious work in magic you can kind of get to the point where shit really does start fucking with you but it's not necessarily people like it's usually like other spirits or entities or archetypes like when you become a player in that setting they're like okay well who the fuck is this i'm gonna like test you out so like they have plenty of things to deal with and intermage issues is very very small compared to other things from what i've heard so um if you're experiencing issues and adversarial stuff like um as there's almost like an arc right when you're learning magic like when you're in the beginning you're not somebody who's really like developed the magical footprint so to speak like there's a lot of people out there who actually do magic even without necessarily being aware of it and that's why um a lot of us actually kind of frown on the term muggle also because you know fuck jk rowling but it implies that these people are incapable of doing something right and and truth be told a lot of people are absolutely just as capable of doing magic and will do it on a subconscious level without knowing that that's what they're doing and it's just been incorporated into a day-to-day life to the point where it's seamless right like we all of us know plenty of people you who you might have met who might like use the law of attraction without even knowing that that's what they're doing or like my would-be yeah. air quotations muggle ass father who doesn't even believe in magic but taught us how to fucking douse for water and power lines because he thought it was scientific fact and he doesn't even know that it's considered pseudoscience and he uses it in the workplace absurdly accurately right yeah and wow. like it's little things like that, you know? Um, anybody can do magic. You're not necessarily, like, incapable of doing it just because you're not actively practicing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's something that I feel, and this is just my paradigm specifically, I think that everybody, like, if you're alive and you have a brain that thinks, even partially thinks, you are interacting with reality in the same ways that a magician does. You're just doing it involuntarily. You're doing it without realizing you're doing it. Mm. The only difference between someone who practices magic and someone who doesn't is that the magician is aware of what they're doing and has taken at least a small degree of agency over those interactions. Most folks have wishes and thoughts and feelings that they focus on and they focus on them so hard that they're they're hitting that point that we would call gnosis they're hitting that one pointed state of mind over those things you think that those things don't have an impact in reality of course they do and Mm. like belief in things religious belief in things whether or not you accept that magic is a thing if you have a dogma that you were raised in that you have a lot of faith in if this sign over a door to bring it back to warding if this sign over this door is the sign of your God's blessing or is a holy symbol, a protective symbol within the dogma that you were raised in or put faith into, 
even if you don't believe in magic, even if you don't know how it works, you know that it does work. And knowing that it does work, yeah. that level of certainty is what puts power into it. That is the same as putting intent into it, except it takes a lot more of it to make it work in the same way. So imagine a church. Imagine a Catholic church. Catholics don't believe. Well, they do believe in magic, but they don't believe do that, that they use it. <laughs> they don't. They and, and imagining or, or trying to get it. There's a meme out there that I love, and I think I've talked about it before. It's it's a, a picture of a dude in a cassock pissing upside down into a urinal. He's like standing on his hands and pissing into a urinal. And the the caption on this meme is asking a, a, a priest to explain why what he does isn't magic. And uh, yeah, that's about it. And with Catholicism, it's directing the belief of hundreds or thousands of people within your congregation toward a certain purpose. Let us pray to this thing. Let us do this mm. thing. They are reinforcing their belief on reality and they're reinforcing their belief in warding, whether or not they realize that's what it is or what they, what they call it. So you'll find passive wards, you'll find active wards that were built by people who know nothing about magic. If you walk into a, an old Catholic church that still has an active congregation, just test it. Like, see how it reacts. Go inside and feel how different it is inside. Try not to think about how, you know, the church makes you feel in particular. Try to separate right. your own biases. But pay attention to the space inside of that church or inside of a cemetery that's still in use that was hallowed. Mm -hmm. Or any other holy place or heavily protected place. So, like, even banks end up with their own weird-ass wards because people believe that they're safe there. You know, it's a place where you store your money. It's a place that you trust with the sacrifice of your time, i.e. money. Those places have words themselves. It's it's the passive belief of people that they are safe in a place. I, um, this just reminded me, I'm so sorry to go off on, not like no, a tangent or anything, but it's, it's relevant. Um, I had, unfortunately I had an aunt pass away from uh, complications due to COVID um, uh, earlier uh, in, in 2021. Uh, yeah, 2020. And um, during her funeral, I was actually very impressed by uh, the priest working the mass. Um, as you know, like every practitioner, we kind of, uh, especially when you're, uh, you're, you're kind of able to read, if you will, uh, you know, psychic mind and whatever, and you work on that. Um, I was very impressed to see his uh, control over papal magic like to actually see him working the mass in a way that i could perceive spiritually was impressive i i've i've been able to perceive it twice uh with only two just different uh priests one was a priest who um was very kind i will say at uh, my mother's parish and this gentleman i didn't know him he was he's in jersey but um to watch him do the transmutation um the wine into blood, the, 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 uh, you know, the, the wafer into flesh. Uh, that was like, it was actually really impressive. Um, I'm not used to seeing it. So I was very like, you know, and this was a new church. It was, it was a small, but new church. It wasn't like, you know, the wood paneling and the old, mm -hmm. um, stained glass windows. It was, it was a very modern church. I was just, you know, very impressed to see his, his ability to actually, you know, like I said, work the mass, you know? That was actually a, that's a really good ritual to have seen because like transubstantiation, as far as Catholics go and, and what we would call magic that they probably wouldn't. Transubstantiation is easily one of the, the most potent rituals that they, mm -hmm. that they conduct. 
and mm-hmm. it's it's if you if you ask anybody who isn't catholic that's straight up sympathetic magic you it, are yeah. straight up making yep. it associate you're making ritual materials oh, out of bread and wine you are you are associating them with a hard line to a deity and, and an act of sacrifice like that's that's big and it was imp- impressive it was it was it was truly i was like i was watching and uh, i remember at first because i didn't even mean to i was obviously crying i was very upset but all of a sudden firstly as he's going through the, I, all of a sudden that um religious magic uh often even or even certain uh pagan magic when uh, my partner does his um his ceremonies for the egyptian deities i feel that same sort of a uh, feeling of um sanctuary that i don't necessarily get when i'm doing rituals uh, in traditional craft but um it feels like uh i don't know like safe holy somehow and all of a sudden this deep calm as he was uh reciting uh the mass which by the way mo- some of it was in latin which i was also very impressed mm-hmm. and um and then at, like all of a sudden that kind of third eye opened and i'm like watching him and i could see like you know i could perceive these sort of uh the the process he was moving through his visualization you can see as he stopped and sort of stayed with that part of the ceremony like he would raise it and he would stop and i could see him focusing and i could see sort of the uh I don't even know if I could see it. It was more like a feeling, but I could like feel the energy that he was raising inside of himself through focus and channeling his deity. And it was just, I was like, holy wow. Yeah. That's interesting. (laughs) Thurgy tends to have a like thurgic practice, which is religious practice. It's, it's focused on interacting with gods and entities. It is God working. Thurgy dogmatic magic religious magic does have a certain smack to it it really does mm-hmm. um and i don't think there's anything wrong with with any of it whether mm-hmm. it's you know catholic whether it, oh, i don't like i don't like what has been done in the name of catholicism at all oh, absolutely mm-hmm. i don't like you know the things that have been done in the name of christianity in, in general and I, okay. I find a lot of christians and a lot of catholics kind of irritating but um the underlying theory and the practice of what they do is actually really fascinating to observe when it's being done Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really as it ties back into warding, if you have any thergic practices that you specifically use, whoever is listening to this, thergy does tend to lean into warding almost better than thaumaturgy or results oriented magic does. They both can be just as effective, but if you're trying to figure out your shit for the first time and you're trying to go at warding for the first time and you have a thergic practice to lean into, I would suggest doing that at your first try because you already feel that you're already experienced with that. You already know what that is. Results oriented magic has very few rudders. Uh, you have to self gauge your results. You have to self assess. You have to be realistic in that assessment. You have to test it. You have to find someone like if you, if you're anything like me and you have trouble picking up on certain things, like I can, I can hardline keep an eye on wards and shit, but I wasn't always good at that. I didn't always know what that felt like or what to expect or how to see. Find someone who does to test your shit. If you're going at this from a strictly thaumaturgic standpoint where you're just doing it with your own gumption and your own verve. But if you've got a thaumaturgy practice to lean on, fucking use it. Fucking use it. Uh, especially if you're just figuring your shit out. But right. um, so with... with go ahead. I'm so sorry. I was. I. I thought you were done. I apologize. No. No. Go ahead, please. Oh, uh, to kind of uh, go further with what you're saying, because I wanted to make a point too of uh, spirit working, sort of as a as an act of not necessarily warding, but making sure that you have a strong spirit team 
as well for those of us who spirit work that's a uh, pretty important at least in traditional witchcraft um you know uh, a lot of the time we rely on our spirits to do a lot of the protecting um you know so kind of keeping up with our spirits uh making sure that we're uh giving them their their offerings making sure that uh we're continuing uh, our work with them and building a a team that we need you know and it could be really anything like if you had a i don't know like if you had a a, a professional chauffeur uh, in your family and, and you uh, and they passed away you could uh, essentially ask their spirit to to be with your car to keep you safe to you know they were professional drivers they did it all their life you know what i'm saying like you could um do those things i know we were talking about like warding cars we could ask the spirits uh to uh also kind of work their influence um which is a bit of ancestral or necromantic uh magic as well although not necessarily inherently warding but yeah it's a, yeah yeah i get you mm-hmm. i mean it could be something as simple as just asking like if you have someone in your in your history who was like a race car driver or right. was you know an right. escort driver of some kind keep my eyes sharp mm-hmm. keep my eyes focused warn me ahead of time cause me to look in the right direction to see something before it hits me yep. that kind of stuff yep yep Absolutely. so like house warding i think we went over practical warding so ward against things that you yourself are afraid of and things that are real direct dangers to your house you're also going to ward versus like weird spiritual interference of a place if you know that you live in a place that has spiritual turbulence of any kind or has a lot of heat in that area for one reason or another if you live on a civil war like a civil war battleground if you live in a place where there is tragedy if you live in a place where there is atrocity if you live in a place where there is significant levels of pollution all of those things will impact how those currents move Mm-hmm. And it's actually some of the pet shit that my wife and I are interested in studying and have been for a long time. Um, certain places are more spiritually hot and spiritually active than others. Yeah. And if you know that you live in one of those places, you need to plan for that with your boards. Um, and your inner layers need to be heavier and thicker, more static, but they also need to be tended and observed. Your outer layers should be ablative. Use materials. Like, I'm a huge fan of using physical fucking materials for your magic. Don't just do this shit in your head. Don't just scribble a sigil on a piece of paper like make something make a token that you see every day when you walk to your front door because you seeing it and thinking oh there's my ward that helps reinforce that ward every time you look at it mm-hmm. so the that's that's part of the effect of the 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 horseshoe over the door the the broom over the door next to the door the doll the corn doll the you know the, the witch marks that you've scraped <clears throat> into the molding over your door yeah or the framework um use materials that can degrade because even if you don't spiritually pick up on that sometimes the materials that you've used in their degradation you're, you're using entropy and and their slow decay and desiccation as an indicator of their ablativeness so sometimes that the damage to those ablative wards can manifest by damage to the physical materials like using sprigs of of grown materials like like herbs or boughs or using a fine thread to hang up your wards. And if the ward falls, you know you need to recast it and you need to rehang it. Uh, Using materials that can break. Use things that are brittle, that can take physical damage, so that you know when... You have a greater chance of knowing when those ablative wards have fallen, even if you happen to forget about it on the daily, which I recommend that you check your wards once a week or so. Like, I do it on Monday mornings. 
I do it on Monday mornings. And sometimes I'll do it throughout the week if I know that I'm about to be taking some heavy fire. But like, just check your words every now and then. Make it part of your morning fucking routine. If you have a house spirit that you have cultivated over time, like a servitor or a thought form, or if you have a, an ancestor that protects your home or a deity or the adjunct of a deity that protects your home, make the offerings to them part of your daily process. Like I have a servitor that I've been feeding and keeping for about 20 years now. He is, he's one of my best boys. He turned 20 last year mm-hmm. in March. He'll turn 21 in March this year. And uh, he, his job, his only job is to kind of CYA. He's the one who's supposed to keep it, keep an eye out and cause me to look over at that weird little sound that I might necessarily overlook or happen to think, Oh, I should check the door locks or think, wait, I feel eyes and glance out the door. He's there to just point shit out to me so that I see it before it hits me in the face. And that's not even spiritual shit. That's physical shit. He's not even built for spiritual shit. I have other things to do that. His job is just to pay attention to incoming threats and help me see them ahead of time. And even just an assistant in your alertness is a good thing to have, man. So like make those offerings part of your daily work. Even if you kind of glaze over why you're giving those offerings, you're still giving those offerings. That's still sacrifice. And sacrifice is one of those currencies that that reality almost universally accepts. Like if if there were currencies of magic, sacrifice in the abstract sense would be one of them. It's a sacrifice of your time. It's a sacrifice mm. of money to get that expensive incense that that the house spirit likes or that specific kind of cigar or that specific kind of rum or gin or candy or token, anything. Those are those are elements of sacrifice because that money is something that you earned with hours of your life spent doing things that you you would rather have been doing anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Like going into a fucking call center for seven or eight hours, doing work on a daily basis that odds are you don't necessarily enjoy all that much. You just spend an hour of that time doing that thing. You are trading that hour of your life by way of your wage into mm-hmm. ritual materials. That's a sacrifice recognize that it's useful so like ward your house in layers make your outermost layers the ones that that either obscure you from the vision of other things onlookers trespassers townies which is what we call local ambient spirits or the townies um it's townies or stray cats depending on what they are if they're just weirdos that are kind of keeping an eye on the location they like drift around and they've always been there they're townies if they're stray cats they're they're other people's abandoned thought forms or they're the dead or they're other things that really don't have a home and they're just trying to figure out where to go hmm. and even if you make your your wards completely like frictionless and shit there are eventually going to be things that kind of pick up on hey i don't know what's here but something's here and i like being here so like if you hmm. invest a lot of time in your house wards you're eventually going to develop a couple of stray cats living under the porch and that's okay just be nice to them if they are nice to you and they will also be part of your wards after a while because if you're good to them and you leave them offerings and you acknowledge them and let them know that you know that they're there and they decide to stick around, they're also going to be some of the things that respond when something nasty comes knocking. Absolutely. So be, Absolutely. Nice, to your, be nice to your stray cats, yo. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, you know, that's, that's another, I think that's a thing that a lot of, um, but I feel like this is of course at no fault to like the younger practitioners though. But like one thing that I feel like isn't taught enough is sort of um, respecting the land that we work on regardless of tradition, but sort of just being able to acknowledge the genus loci in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because we we often forget that we're sharing that space with other uh, thought forms, consciousnesses, whatever um, 
and I think that that is for me anyway. That's one. Of, that's like it's it, that's that's super important. I think for for modern practitioners to remember, whether you're in the city or you know rural or suburban, doesn't really matter. I think uh, that definitely helps also too to expand upon something that fish that you were talking about about areas that are just really hot spirit like you know um a lot of the time that could be a uh genus loci who kind of maybe needs something maybe there's something that you could do you know maybe like if it's if the area is overly dirty maybe you can set a neighborhood uh cleanup you know they're just different things that you could you know just shooting ideas sorry <laughs> oh no no that's that's a that that is a great point like if you live in an area that does have these large ambient entities that have come about and sort of raised their heads and become aware or, you know, land spirits, things like that. If you've mm -hmm. got a forest, like, and, and this is, this is weird ass thing to say, but like pay attention to the names of the things around where you're living. Yes. yes. People will get subconsciously give the scariest names to shit that is magically active. And they don't know why they gave it that name or why that place gives them the chills. But if you have anything that says that's like the devil's backbone or dead horse trail or some shit, if you've Hell's got some gulch. kill devil hills, toad, yeah. suck, toad suck, which is a really weird place in Arkansas. But like, listen to look at the names of the places around you, because people people are always in tune with spiritual shit, whether or not they consciously recognize that's what it is. Yeah. And if there's a place in your area that is kind of hot and kind of weird and it was generations and generations and generations before the land was settled and forcibly inhabited by your ancestors as opposed mm -hmm. to you know the original inhabitants of this place yeah. um you, they'll pick up on that shit too because that leaves imprints that leaves echoes there are egregores and godforms and spirits that are tied to the land for which there is no longer a human presence they're essentially orphans and sometimes they are very upset and sometimes they are very angry very. and you it it behooves you to be aware of them and not not take the take the the tone of everybody get off my fucking porch because you're only temporarily like occupying that space they mm -hmm. are there for the duration and you can either be friends with them figure out what they want what they need what they're asking of you figure out how to be respectful to them or you can constantly be fucking fighting with them and hate your fucking life and have bad shit happen to you at random or seemingly at random. Like it, it pays to be nice to your neighbors. Here in PA, we have a place like that. I think it's called the devil's well. Um, it's in, uh, it's not in Pennypack park. It's in our other large park that I never remember the name of. Fairmount. Rue, you might know it. <clears throat> Fairmount. You drive. <laughs> Fairmount park. Pen what is it? Fairmount park. Yeah. Um, the, ironically, uh, the Devil's Well, it's, it's a rock face. It's a natural sort of, uh, small little waterfall. Um, and it was sort of a, a basin that just collects water. Unfortunately, uh, it's, it, the water is incredibly toxic, um, and very dirty now. Um, but, uh, it is natural. It was not man-made. Um, oh I've been God. wanting to visit this place well, so bad. <laughs> Huh? Well, let's go. We'll pick a date. We'll go. If y'all haven't okay. done it by the time I get moved, I'm going to come with you. That'd be ah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, really want to go. That'd be cool, Jay. We should, though. We uh, should yeah. definitely go. I mean, we could always bring fish along, you know, if we want to go again. But I, I definitely want to visit this place. Hell People yeah. try to swim in it, but they mm. get all sorts of, like, ringworm and shit. But yeah, I'm kind of like, it's probably, 
<laughs> you know, for, no, for me, you. I just think, well, you probably pissed off the spirit of this place. So <laughs> I feel like that, that actually kind of segues into the, the, the kind of discussion but that we earlier kind of broached on about environmental causes for spiritual activity and turbulence. Like mm-hmm. one of the, one of the dirtiest places, like my wife and I make a habit of whenever we go on a road trip, we stop in somewhere that we stop somewhere that we predict or know from other practitioners experience or just from history and mythology is going to be a hot zone, a place where bad shit happened. Now, my wife and I met in South Texas, which at one point in time was a fucking war zone, mm-hmm. a fucking war zone. And uh, a number of practitioners down there, especially folks that are just starting out when they first become aware of things and learn to process and perceive shit actively. They're like, holy fuck i feel like i'm under siege all the time i'm like yeah yeah that's the area you live in you can ward against that so like if you find as a practitioner that you've settled into a place and no matter what you do you can't get comfortable you can't feel safe look into the history of the place where you lived like way fucking back start where you are now and just slowly dial it back and Mm. start looking into your history Mm -hmm. because if you live in, in a war zone if you live in a place where something awful happened those are things that you need to be aware of and you can ward against to kind of make your space more comfortable and more safe for you and less turbulent because those kinds of places also have a weird effect on magic. Um, Mm -hmm. And they have a weird effect on the spirits that live in those areas. Like this is something that my wife and I are still dicking around with and trying to figure out like a, a basic theory for, but what we found so far is that places that we study Superfund sites, which a Superfund site is a place that is so polluted in the United States that the the government has allotted funds to clean it the fuck up because it's a giant public health hazard so one of the dirtiest places we've been to short of uh centralia pennsylvania which holy mm-hmm. shit y'all is a place called pitcher yeah. oklahoma so pitcher oklahoma is a super fun site that you can drive right fucking through it's the site of an old lead mine and it's a lead mine that got us through world war ii they mined so much lead at that place that there are giant piles of aggregate crushed aggregate from lead mining and lead refining they're called chat unfortunately those piles are also very poisonous because they are covered in lead dust and nobody knew that until the 80s when kids started coming down with fucking lead poisoning and up until then they would let kids go play in the chat they would dig out the chat and put it in the back of their truck to fill sandboxes kids showing up with fucking lead poisoning really bad lead poisoning until they finally That's said, like okay, my hometown. Yeah, it was well, Pitcher. Pitcher was was a, a very dirty place, and it's still a dirty place. Hardly anybody lives there now because uh, the government, the U.S. government, said, "Well, I guess the state of Oklahoma said, okay, look, we need to relocate everybody." So they went through and they did this the process of relocating as many people as they can, where they buy out your house and they provide you with funds to go live somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But there were some hangers on that stayed. Well, those hangers on had to deal with a tornado that just destroyed their whole fucking town and. Oof. Oklahoma was like, well, you know, we couldn't buy you out, but we also can't rebuild. So you've got to get the fuck out now. So that town is a husk, but it's covered in these giant piles of lead poison chat, which is just like crushed aggregate, like gravel and sand. And that was one of the places that we decided we were going to go and sort of assess. So, you know, you go out there, you, you sit with it for a while, you see how it feels, you, you get yourself into a one pointed state in a nice quiet spot and you start to kind of taste the area around you, magically speaking. And you try to observe the locals, the townies, the spirits that linger there and see what the physical pollution of that place has done to the spiritual side of things. And those spirits get real weird, y'all. They're not just upset. They're not just hurting and angry. They're different. 
They're mm. different in a very weird way. And those differences depend on what's wrong with that spot mm. so far, as far as we can tell. Like, this is just our personal work. Like, this is still something we're working on and probably will be for decades yet. But damn, shit be weird in those spots. And if you happen to live in a place close to one of those, like, if you're in St. Louis, if you're in St. Louis and you live close to the landfill, um, you've got problems, yo. <laughs> you've got... Um, uh, toxic waste from the from the development of the first atomic bomb like the manhattan project is in your fucking landfill and your landfill's on fire so um if you live in st louis you might consider the local ecology you know your, your spiritual ecology you might take a look at it and <clears throat> plan for that because uh that shit's happening look for your local super fun sites look for your local hot zones and try to anticipate how to prevent those from affecting your work because it will change some of how you do your work it'll change how your work manifests mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to do work in hot zones like that, in damaged zones like that. And the work doesn't always, it, sometimes the work does better than you think it will, but it doesn't hit how you want. So you have to kind of anticipate that kind of stuff. It's, it, it's hard to explain and we don't have any real lexicon for it yet, but those are things you need to ward for also. And if you live in a place that is super weird for other reasons, like you move into a haunted apartment building, um, pay attention to why it's haunted. And try to work around that. Like um place that we lived in Texas, it was an old reclaimed power building. It's all concrete and steel and, and exposed I-beams. And the there's a river running right next to the building, like to the point that the the sub-basement, like the 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 second and third sub-basement levels are flooded with moving water. Jeez. So you've got those big steel I-beams that are driven deep into the ground coming up into your apartment, and you've got running water along with those steel beams. You've got an electrical substation. Oh, about 50 feet from the building that's replaced the the My building you're God. living in now. Well, that kind of place also has a weird-ass effect because yeah. you've got running water and steel, and you've got electrical current all the time. It was, a, it, was a, it was a tuning rod, y'all, and it either was really pristine and you could get a lot done, or you couldn't get anything done. Or a complete but headache. Yeah. <laughs> but warding, that, that kind of thing will also have a stabilizing effect on your space, even if it erodes it real fucking fast. So, like, know where your moving water is. Know where iron deposits mm-hmm. in the dirt are. Mm-hmm. Know where your power substations are and where your big electrical lines are. Because those things, uh, we don't even know, like, if, if electromagnetic fields and shifts in EM fields affect magic. But we do know that they affect the human brain. Mm-hmm. I was going to... Mm-hmm. So, like, knowing that kind of shit's useful for your magic, too. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a place out here in Toronto, actually, that comes to mind. Um, it's called the Don Valley Parkway. It's really strange to me. As somebody who grew up in, like, the middle of fucking nowhere, I can almost navigate by just memory or intuition of which compass direction is which, even sometimes when I can't see the sun or the stars, right? Mm-hmm. If I can see the sun or the stars, it's a dead fucking giveaway, right? But the Don Valley Parkway has like a whole waterway coming in, like a whole drainage system for like underground water. And then they have like a whole bunch of um, power lines getting run through there. And if that isn't enough, they have a highway system there, too. Oh, so it is the most energetically condensed area I have been in. And, and it's so hard that in broad daylight, I've mixed up north and south, and I do not fucking do that. Wow. That kind of place is really scary. Like, if you have 
and this ties into sort of the zones of strangeness. And it, it would be nice to, I just, just left a note for us that we might collectively discuss like zones of heat and zones of strangeness. But um, Ooh, you yeah. hear stories about hikers, seasoned hikers, seasoned hunters that go into a forest and suddenly, despite knowing that forest like the back of their hand, they get turned around and don't know where the yeah. fuck they are. That's a it's sign of a place that is hot or a place that is weird or a place that is strange. Pay so attention I'll tell to you a very, a very brief story about that. In that Don Valley Parkway, I walked into what I would consider a city park. It's not even actually a park. It's like those areas where the city can't possibly develop every little bit of green space out. And there's what I call the in-between spaces in cities. And this is famously where you find a lot of homeless people who gather together and camp out, right? And this spot is 100% one of those, right? And I've gone on like day-long hikes where you hike for like four hours one way and then you hike for four hours back, right? Like you you need to be able to just memorize it and go. And if you get lost, you have like a kit for overnight shit so that people can find you and you stay put and you let people know where you're going and you don't travel alone and blah, 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 blah. blah. But I still have never gotten lost out ever and and stuck out in the woods. But I walked into a little in-between space I took a couple in-between paths and this is when I was like trying to find firewood in the summer of 2020 and I got turned around like literally turned around by like a butterfly that came around me and spun me around and like suddenly I was in a different part and I couldn't find my way back and the path behind me was gone like and 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 I used my bush knowledge it was I just said no, calm down. You're in a parkette, so there's no way it can last if you walk in one direction and don't deviate. And that's exactly what I did, and it took me right out of the bush, right? Perfect. So, like, my bush skill did work because I knew what was up, but there's no fucking reason I should be getting turned around in a parkette like that when I can hear the su- like the highway on one side. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It should not be happening, but it did. Yeah, wow. no kidding. Oh, that's... That's the thing. I mean, like, even reading back through, like, folklore and fairy lore and stuff like that, you find that um, very common, the, uh, the sort of, uh, like, that, that strange sense of uh, unreality uh, comes over you in, in liminal or high strange places. Um, being turned around, that, that's a big uh, red flag, if you will, that you're in a, in a really intense liminal space. Another thing, too, that I've experienced at least three times that um, still to this day almost feel like it didn't happen because it was just so pronounced. But uh, the most um, the most notable time uh, with, with this phenomena, I was in a bank um, in, the, in Center City, Philly. It's this old bank right out front of. Um, oh, right across uh, Rue J, right across the street from uh, Barnes and Noble. Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse Square, and um, mom and I, my mom was getting money out of the uh, out of the thing, and all of a sudden, we both started feeling like lightheaded, and we turn around because we were like, I don't know, maybe there's something in here, you know, maybe like God forbid there's gas or whatever, because the bank was closed, we could just get to the ATM, and I was like, let's get out, and we turn around, and as we're looking, and I know this sounds like it's something out of a movie, but uh, my mom saw it too. It looked as if everyone on the outside of the glass wasn't moving anymore. Mm-hmm. Like there was Ooh. a pigeon in midair. There was a car mid like 
drive that there was smoke rising out of um the uh like from you know like you could see the the smoke coming out of the, the pot you know the thing in the ground whatever yeah and it all looked like it was still and everyone just looked as if they were just stopped in time and we're tr- we, my, we start panicking i was young i was 16 i was a young little witchlet you know i i still mm-hmm. i think i still you know i didn't really have my you know i didn't know but anyway we're trying to get out of uh we're trying to get out of the bank and none of the doors would open they wouldn't pull they wouldn't move they wouldn't budge we were stuck and all of a sudden my mom i don't know what she said she like started to get really frustrated and she just was like what is going on and she pulled real hard and all of a sudden cuz all the noise stopped too there were no was there was no noise and all of a sudden it was just like it was like time caught up with itself and suddenly like people are walking they're like da, 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 and it's just like that din of like you know center city in a place mm. and we're just like looking at each other she's she's looking around she's completely like flushed she's scared i'm i'm scared Although I was like, I think the reason I felt not as, I felt scared in a different way. Um, Mm -hmm. I've read too many stories about being spirited away that like, you know, (laughs) I was like, fuck, I was like, I'm too young. (laughs) But um, like, oh shit, today's the day. (laughs) uh, Getting raptured. You know, for her, she was very scared because she doesn't have, I think because she couldn't understand it. I understood what was happening. But I just couldn't believe it was happening to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um. And I've had like times where that's happened, but they were much less. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't as intense. Where I was like, you know, experiencing it that way. But the fact that I experienced it with my mom, that's what like really kind of verifies this experience for me. But and you're uh, like confirmed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's those weird gaps are are sort of part and parcel of magic in a way like we benefit from reality becoming unstable for one reason or another so it, it's it seems like it's relatively common for for folks that are even barely aware that reality isn't just you know meat and bone and blood and machine to accidentally slip into those spaces whether or not they actually go out looking for them um and this, this kind of this this kind of dredged up something i wanted to say early on we were talking about like different levels of work and once you get past a certain point, you start having to deal with bigger problems, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this there's this author named John Keel. I'm a big fan of John Keel. And he used to talk about things in, in, in regard to strangeness, like high strangeness. He started off as a ufologist, but after a while, especially after Point Pleasant and the whole Mothman thing, he became less certain of what was going on. And one of the things that he observed that I continue to observe myself is that if you go looking for it, it finds you. That's one. The other is, if you observe it, it can observe you. Yes. So mm-hmm. the more you work on your perceptions and the more you go out looking for things and see things, that's never a one-sided event. Any, any energetic thing that you do, any observation you make is something that affects something else. And that something else, especially if it's a spirit or something that lives just on that side of the substrate or that side of reality, it's probably aware of you before you're looking. So you have to kind of be careful about what you go looking for and what you accidentally stumble into. And those weird ass little gaps in reality, those liminal spaces, those blind spots that we find ourselves stumbling into and sometimes drawn to are places where warding can be very helpful too, which brings us to warding your body, which is the last big thing. Mm-hmm. So warding your body is actually pretty straightforward. It's, it's exactly what it says on the fucking tin. 
you ward your body, you wear a protective symbol of some kind. And it doesn't have to be something you made yourself. It can be a good luck charm, like the Nazar, the, the blue evil eye, or even just the glass evil eye has been used for literally thousands of years. Even if you don't believe that that Nazar will protect you, the fact that so many millions of people have used it and believed in it and reinforced it with reality means that even if you don't believe in it, it will still work. It absolutely will still work. The same with other things. Like you might not know, you might know absolutely dick about Solomon. You might know absolutely nothing about the greater or lesser keys, the parts of the lesser keys, anything like that. You might not know anything about the seals. You wear a six of Mars, it'll still fucking work. It will still work because it's built on the belief of others that have reinforced it within reality. Wearing a red string around your wrist, you might not be part of any tradition that demands a red string. That red string that you bought might just be a piece of yarn that you bought from a Hobby Lobby. It doesn't have to be wrapped around Rachel's tomb. It doesn't have to be blessed in any fucking way. It's still a red string. It is still sympathetically tied to every other red string. Horseshoes, mezuzahs, afuda, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Any hamsa. symbol that is protective, the Hamsa, um, any kind of bind rune, protective symbols from from the elder or younger Fudark or earlier Etruscan, the Vinca symbols, Hebrew, Sanskrit, Arabic, fucking anything, fucking hieroglyphics. If you can work that into a ward of some kind or use an established ward that was used by people prior, mm-hmm. fucking use that. Where and and symbols for your body, like wards for your body, very frequently will take the form of jewelry. Um, Wearable wards are a good thing. If you're trying to ward somebody else that doesn't know necessarily anything about magic, the best way to do that is to give them a piece of jewelry they really, really like that you worked ward into um, for yourself. If there's not a warding symbol that you like and lean heavily into and you want to build your own, get yourself a little necklace with a, a capsule on it, like uh, the little urn type capsules you can get or a little glass locket and inscribe a sigil that you've created or a symbol or a holy word within your paradigm or within your methods and put it there and wear it. Get someone else to wear it. Make it dress it up. Make it look decorative. The word doesn't have to be obvious. In fact, it's often better if it isn't. So like I wear a six of marts. I wear a number of things on a silver chain. That silver chain is so long that it hangs way down like between my titties. Nobody <laughs> sees what it is. They don't have to see it. In fact, I prefer if they don't. Wearing wards on your body is good. Now, there is a caveat. If you're going to get warded tattoos, and this is just my experience, if you have decided already that you have a a ward that is tattooed onto your body, you need to put some ablative wards on your body too. So like worn wards, like a necklace, or a token in the, the sole of one of your shoes, or in your wallet. Somewhere that, something that you always have on you. So if you never go anywhere without your cell phone, Put that ward in your phone case. Just put that ward in a capsule on your keychain or a symbol on your keychain. You never go anywhere without your keys. Something that you cannot bear to be apart from, even if it's just your fucking vape. If you are a nicotine addict and you vape constantly and never go anywhere without it, you know that vape's going to be in your fucking mm-hmm. hands. So put a ward on it. <laughs> you can I used to have to ward my keys so that the Fae wouldn't take them. That's another thing. Like You can ward them from being stolen or being lost um, and make it less likely or make it easier for you to find them. Just put it on something that you will never be away from, whether it's the sole of your shoe, embroidered into the collar of your jacket, something slipped into a pocket in your in your pants or your belt. If you wear a belt buckle, inscribe it on the inside of your belt buckle. Keep it on your body. But if you have a warded tattoo, please take my advice and wear other wards on top of that, because that warded tattoo is a lot like a static ward. It doesn't change that much over the Mm. years. It's going to fade some. 
but that ward will eventually get overpowered by other things. It will take damage and it will absorb that damage. And where is that ward? It's on your body. So when that ward goes, where does all of that damage it absorbed go? It goes into your body, y'all. So you probably ought to be careful about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Especially if you have a tendency of making enemies, because like, if someone figures out a way to get around that ward, and this is the other thing, if your wards fail, and this is magician on magician shit, so like, if you pissed off someone who knows what they're doing, and they start popping you, learn from the way that your wards break. Pay attention to it. Don't just be like, oh shit, my wards failed, I'm getting hit, oh no! No, go at it like a fucking forensic scientist. Look at the position and the way that the wards failed, especially right after it happens, as soon as you notice. Put yourself into that state, that perceptive state, and figure out how they did it, and then fix it. The best thing that someone can do for you when it comes to warding is break them. The reason I say that is that the more you get your wards hammered on, the more you figure out how to make them more effective. Mm-hmm. Let people fucking pen test you. If that, if that dumb little person on Tumblr says, yeah, I'm going to curse you, dirt, dirt, go fucking bring it and give them your fucking tag lock. Instead, <laughs> just dare them to test it and see if they can. And if they can, figure out how they did it and then fix it. And just let them keep hammering at it, especially if you know that they can't really hurt you. Especially if you know that they are new at this and they're just kind of angrily slapping at a glass door, but they're going to bounce off like a cat jumping into one head first. Like, let them keep hitting it. Let them test it. They're doing you a favor. They might not know it. You shouldn't tell them either. But yeah, I, I also, let them wait on you. I have one. Uh, I wanted to add something, too. I had a really creative idea, yeah, yeah. Fish, about tattoos. Mm-hmm. Another thing that you could do, if you're good with uh, um, green magic, you could also make a uh, a protective balm to uh, continuously apply to the mm. tattoo with protective herbs. Yo! That's awesome. Right? Keep going, keep going. Holy shit. Damn, um, what a great idea. You know, you could also do that, like, into an oil, too. But, like, obviously make sure they're, like, skin safe. But um, make sure you're not allergic or whatever. But, I mean, yeah, you could totally keep sort of, like, it's like dressing a sigil, you know? Like, if you want to make a sigil stronger, dress it with a, an oil that, you know, pertains, you know? Yeah. Um, it would be, like, essentially the same. I mean, it's just an idea, but... You know, this is just a, genius. Yeah, it's it represents a, great idea. a way to sustain a ward like that. Was usually people will get a, a warding tattoo and they just fucking forget about it. They don't yeah. maintain it at all. Mm-hmm. But if you were to energetically maintain it, find a way to dump out all of that energy, find a way to purge it and reinforce it, mm-hmm. there's less likely to be failure. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> all right. Right. So, it's actually, uh, it's actually funny. I want to jump in. I want to jump yeah. in there because we were literally just. Ta- I I've been on. I have three tattoos, and I've been on a tattoo kick for uh, <laughs> since I got the first one. And uh, we're actually um, once we get our tax return, I I want to get um, the sigil of Lilith and Lucifer um, overlaid over top of each other. Um, and uh, I want the the lines of Lilith will be snakes and the lines of Lucifer's will be vines. And I'm going to get it on my lower leg kind of like as a grounding thing because I work with with both of those guys. Um, so that's actually something I'm looking to get done soon. <laughs> that's fucking rad. Awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is rad as hell. So I think the only things we haven't really touched on are wards versus other magicians. And uh, Omni points out uh physical construction of wards 
Yeah, and actually, mm-hmm. I was going to bring up because it ties into just what you were saying. When someone slaps your boards and breaks them, it, they do you a favor. That's actually something I can touch on with like my um, herbal wards. When someone recently did hit my ward, how they did it was they struck at the thread I was using to hold the ward together because it was really big. So I looked at that, reassessed it, went okay, picked a completely different thread, and I went from like this really big, almost kind of like you could tie it um, boots with it thread to like what I use to stitch leather together. This stuff's incredible. It's like waxed thread it does not fuck around like wax thread is serious business so like i and i I took that and i tied all of my words with it and it ties it like infinitely tighter almost than the other one can and none of my words have ever had a slip on the top since because of how they're tied like um i can describe this a little bit um when i say tie and bundle what a lot of people think of is like a traditional stick which you would see in like uh, a new age store or um on like sometimes on like instagram which stuff it's when the herbs are like bundled cylindrical and then they're wrapped around with the string to bind them that's not a technique that i use or that i've really seen people in my circles tend to use as much um when i'm binding herbs because i burn them in a dish because i smudge specifically what i'll do is i'll bind them by the stalks together um i will take them and line them up so that all of the stalks are together at the top and then i'll tie them there and make sure not to do it with um anything that's going to damage the herb itself that i'll be using so with lavender is a great example i can take all of them line the buds up at the top keep all the stalks individual cut them even and i always cut the stalks on every word i do to make them even like either before or after i tie them depending on the length of the stalk and what you need like if i'm tying cedar because that's an herb that i work with um you can cut it after because typically they're rather short anyways and if you're doing lavender sometimes you need to do it before and after but it can depend on how you're tying right so there's a lot of little tricks with that but i i don't do like um big wrapped around um burning smudge sticks uh, air quotations because i don't know if that actually really counts as smudging in the way that i would practice it um but um, they they act, they do work as cleansing. Um, I guess I'd call them cleansing sticks for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a different method of tying the herb, and and it gets into like why I wanted to talk about constructing your words and how to put them together specifically, right? Because they break physically. And sometimes, like, for example, words that you wear, one of the most common causal pathways for them start to wear down is their annoyance on you for wearing them. So if your ward loves having your hair get caught in it and rip your hair off and it starts to make you fucking mad at it, and then it's going to start picking up all that energy and the the frustration, right? Um, Or like, for example, um, the word I'm wearing right now, it's on a chain that's steel and it's the most reliable steel chain i have because it's the thickest gauge but the way it's cut is on angles so occasionally it'll rotate my hair into it and it fucking pisses me off to the point where sometimes i don't even want to wear it right um so there's certain times where um what you pick for the ward materials will determine how long it's going to go in the long run and also 
magical items and enchanting stuff and objects, you tend to need to pick like finer materials for something, right? It's not to say that you can't like magically enchant a rock, but like a rock, how easy is it to break? You'd have to like probably smash it or drop it depending on its size. Like you'd have to do stuff to it. You could actually enchant a rock pretty fucking solidly because it's just a natural item that embodies what it comes from the environment it is, right? So like that's fucking phenomenal. Whereas if you try to take something that's like say from the dollar store and it's designed to break and you're utilizing that for a word structure it may not go as far now that said there are certain things at the dollar store that i do use for my wards like little tiny bottles which you can wrap like wire and cord around and like put um like little rolled up um scrolls into you know with like magical seals or intent um but generally speaking, you want, if it's like, especially if it's something you're wearing, like if it's a word that you're setting out, um, like hanging out on your front porch and it's not going to be like smacking against stuff, you could kind of generally pick um, not the greatest materials and it'll be fine. But especially if you're wearing something and it's going to be there long term, um, the quality of the material really matters. Like, for example, um, the only bracelet I have that I can physically wear long term is a, is a really nice silver bracelet because it's it's pure silver. It doesn't, like, um, turn my skin green. It doesn't tarnish really at all. It doesn't leave a mark on me. And it's not uncomfortable in any way. It, like, practically molds to my arm, right? Um, other than that, like uh, copper will turn my skin green. Um, gold's a little too malleable, so if something were pure gold, I'd probably fucking destroy it, and I can't even afford it to begin with. And like, um, steel is nice on certain kinds, but other ones has like a really nasty smell sometimes. And you have to make sure it's like a right kind of stainless steel. So like, just picking your your construction of your wards is important and you do need to like um put some process into it and you can be creative like it's not to say you can't use stuff from the dollar store like i have something i'm looking at on my altar right now that's like a little plastic easter egg that is like woven up with something i've done with it right and stuff like that works but it's just you have to be specific about what you're using it for you do. And with your materials, you also have to consider how that ward will alert you that it's being used. So you, you talk about the, uh, the the necklace that gets caught in your hair sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the way that a ward alerts you that it's taking damage and that it's it's diverting misfortune is that it will cause you to suddenly be aware of it for no reason. So it gets tangled up in your hair. It gets irritated. Yeah. It gets caught and, you know, caught on your collar and starts to kind of close around your neck or gets caught on something while you're moving around like it's a bracelet or you know your finger or something like that um that can sometimes be a sign that your ward is actually taking a hit so you need to attend to that and kind of pay attention and see see if that's just like dumb shit happening or if that's the ward kind of informing you in a dumb frame not actually conscious way that something's going on with it so with mm -hmm. practical house warding there are a lot of things you can do um any kind of token, physical token. I love working with physical materials. A lot of folks don't. That's fine. Do what you do. Whatever is subjectively the most useful thing for you and the thing that feels right for you is the one that's going to work better. Don't let anybody tell you you have to do it X way. Just do it however fits your practice. 
but some loose guidelines for warding a house, practically speaking, are that you don't just want to ward your house. You want to ward the entire property that you're on. So all the way down to the property line, all the way to the edges and the back of your property line, the outsides of your fence, the front of your curb, the underside of your mailbox, the inside of your mailbox, fuck. Um, any areas that present a zone of of ingress into your property. So if there's a place on your property that's heavily wooded or has a lot of vines and you can't necessarily see everything, clean that shit up. Put a ward there. Put some light over there. Um, my general strategy when I move into a place is I get thin copper tubing, like the kind of stuff that you would use to connect a water line to the back of your fridge for your ice maker. Get some of that shit that's really thin, thinner than your pinky. It's a bigger, it's bigger round. And cut it into three-inch sections, four-inch sections, and then produce, like ritually produce a couple of, of, of pieces of paper that you have coiled up in a scroll and slipped in. Fold over both sides or epoxy it or something else, and then go hammer them at the four points of your property line. Something like that, a protection of some sort. And that can work anywhere. Like if you are trying to set, like say you were setting up a, an occult shop or uh, you were setting up ritual grounds for a big group of people together. Hang those tokens from trees in a loose circle or a loose square, something that you recognize. Um, hammer them into the dirt. Just be careful not to pollute the area that you're in. If it's going to be a temporary ward setup, you need to be able to find those wards and pull them back up again. Try to use materials that aren't going to damage the environment you're in. The same way that you shouldn't use salt very often unless you can have, unless you don't have any other option. Like pocket salt's a fucking thing, y'all. But salt's also bad for the soil. So Try to use something like eggshell powder, something symbolic. Use mm -hmm. chalk. Use clay. Um, anything that can can kind of function as salt. It doesn't have to be salt for it to do the shit that salt does. You just have to associate it properly or find the right substance within your paradigm or your set of practices. But um, going out and lining, demarcating the entire the entirety of the property that you want to protect your turf, even if that's not just your property, like your whole ass block or the gate of your subdivision. If you have a gate or apartment, um, if you live in housing that is connected wall to wall, like a townhome or something like that, and you're worried about shit like wildfire. I mean, yeah, you could ward just your place, but if another location in that house, the housing block burns, everything will burn. So have an eye for that too. Like look at the structure of where you're living, how you're living, and ward appropriately. Whether that means you are making rare earth magnets, like little fine plate rare earth magnets that you inscribe or paint your your warding your warding schema onto, whether that's a sigil or a holy word or a symbol, paint over it in the same color as the steel infrastructure above, and then toss them so that they get stuck up there. <laughs> that's what we did with that that electrical building. We just bought a giant stack of rare earth magnets that were about an inch across. They were thin discs. And we worked the warding onto each of the discs and put them, we consecrated them all together at the same time. And then we painted them with a top coat that was the same color as the paint on the I-beams. And we threw them up there on every level so that they stuck up there. And it was, it was so noticed. It was so not noticeable that when they repainted all of it, they just painted over all of them. They're all still there. That's awesome. Find something that blends in. And that tactic doesn't just work for houses and locations like that. Like we set up, my wife and I set up wards in Denver based on the, the tram system. And we used the, the magnetic method to do that. We, we created a bunch of those warding magnets and we put them on a number of trains. Like we just decided to ride around the city on those little trams and we would slip them under the seats. So those are moving warding fields that just travel through the city day in, day out. 
Wow. If you're trying to secure an area, it's a good way to do it because it'll just disrupt everything it rides through that is harmful. And you can specify with wards, like anything that is designed to harm, anything that's designed to do X thing. There are variables in each of those wards that you can encode. And wardings don't have to be a solid wall against anything spiritual. They can be permeable. You can, it's easy, it's generally as easy as saying, this only reacts to things that seek to harm me or could harm me. But um, the other thing in terms of word break and word breaking and, and word developing is pay attention to the novelty of trying to get around words, because there are some folks out there that really love breaking them just for the sake of breaking them. And they're doing you a favor. Yeah. But they also come up with some really weird ways to do it. Like um, one of the people that I go back and forth with kind of on a counting coup basis, which is sort of a, a, a fake fight. You, you're trying to ping each other and, and pop each other just to see how well you, you can target. Mm-hmm. It, it's like touch. Mm-hmm. It's like touch football. Can I explain the, ways the origin that... of the term briefly? Yeah, please go ahead. It comes from Plains native people. Um, it's like literally what it suggests. Rather than killing an opponent in combat, you strike them with a hand or a coup stick, and um, it doesn't necessarily shame them, but it really shows how badass you are. Like, I could have killed you, and I just slapped you and ran off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fun thing to do. When that's you... that's a wildly simple. Uh, explanation of it. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. Um, I, I'm really grateful to Phil Hine, who uh, was the one to kind of bring the concept of counting coup into Chaos Magic specifically. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember which of his books it was, but I had never heard of it until then. But uh, we go back and forth, popping each other, and one of the ways they found to get around my wards was to kind of set up something that it, it was trying to reach through retrocausality. They were saying, well, you know, I guess what they decided, and I didn't ask them how they did it because I didn't want to admit that I wasn't sure. So I kind of postmortemed it myself. But uh, what it looks like is the way they did it, or what it looks like is that they looked for points of failure that they could highlight prior to me moving in and warding. Hmm. So I, I don't know much about temporal magic. I don't know a lot <clears throat> about that. That happens to be something they are very nerdy about. I'd love to get them on the podcast. But uh, they sort of reached back into points of failure that happened before we moved in and before the wards were laid that could go wrong now in the here and now. And it was very fucking clever. It was very clever. (laughs) And it took me a while to figure out how the fuck that worked. And I got confirmation that that's what they were doing because we we use a double blinder. That's why I don't talk to them directly about our our coup games. Um, So like if I think I've been popped, I drop a, a, a time date stamp in our in our double blinders dms and they will have informed them when they're making a hit and likewise when i'm popping them i will leave a time and date and kind oh. of the method and the intent yeah like, like a just, middleman kind of thing yeah a middleman to make sure that that we're not just like playing head games with each other and larping it's just someone to to blind the process but i got confirmation that that was sort of how they did it and uh it was very novel so if you if you get engaged in a magician on magician you know, bitch fight, either a play fight or a real fight. Sometimes they'll come up with very weird ways to get around your wards and they are very effective and you're not really sure why, because it might not be your bailiwick. It might not be something that you've studied or specialized in. And, and it's important if your wards do get knocked down, whether it's in a play situation, like a, a testing situation, or it's a real situation that you are not so proud of your wards that you don't admit that that happened. If you get smacked, you get smacked. You need to admit that to yourself at least. And then you need to try to do better. But if you deny that that happened when you see obvious signs that it did, there was no point in putting those words up in the fucking first place. 
Like, be realistic in your shit. If somebody knocks your words down, admit that to yourself, <clears throat> even if you don't admit it to anybody else. Because if you don't, you're you're doing you're not doing yourself a fucking favor if you don't. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, don't yeah, don't you're just kind of role playing <laughs> that you're a good magician. Then, uh, yeah. And, like, contrary, contrary to like the Western world in magic, fake it till you make it doesn't always really work, man. It only goes yeah. so kinda far. Gotta have some. You gotta have some actual grit to back it up. The rubber's gotta meet the road. Yeah, it's like don't 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 bluff with the shit. Don't. Mm-hmm. Like, don't... You're not going to win anything. (laughs) No, you're not. And, like, if you have to bluff, then you worry too much about what other people fucking think. Mm Mm-hmm. Which you shouldn't be doing anyway. We already talked about that, but... It stifles you getting better. It does. Like, if you you become a boomer about your magic and you think, well, you know, that's this is just the way it is, and I know this and that, and then if you become so static in your thinking that you can't admit that you're wrong... Or admire or acknowledge someone else's technique that you didn't think of. Mm-hmm. Or admit that you didn't think about something mm-hmm. that someone else suggests. Then what the fuck are you even doing here? Go to I the mean, old folks home and shut the fuck up. Look at the reaction you know, we it, had it's... here. Just in this recording today. When we were talking about the tattoos. And Scott yeah! was like the herbal bomb. Mm-hmm. And we were like oh my fucking god. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I would never have thought of that. That's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that is rad as hell. You can put that on your witch resume. You can do it. Go for it. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> it it kind of puts a little smile on your face, right? Because like, you didn't necessarily invent it, but you contributed to it, right? Mm-hmm. And then there are certain things that you come up with, like what Scott was talking about here, right? And mm-hmm. and it's 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 interesting how good ideas are contagious. And it's it's hard. It's It's deeply, deeply hard, especially with like... Um, whether or not people want their names to be mentioned to this stuff, because some people are really fucking private which, with their with witchcraft stuff. And yes. if you're learning from someone on a person-to-person basis, sometimes giving credit's a little difficult. But also, like, it costs you nothing to say that, you know, like, you've learned a lot of shit from your conversations with other people. And credit it when the point comes up. If someone's like, yo, I did come up with this, and they want the credit, absolutely give it to them, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um. Right. I will say that we are coming up on the two-hour mark, so is there anything left mm-hmm. that we had to cover? Nope, just word your, word your shit, y'all. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, so then, any concluding statements from anyone? No, nothing that I can think of, particularly. I talked my fine. head off. <laughs> I know. I know <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, <laughs> not everything is a boogeyman around no. the corner. Nope, um, it isn't. But at the same time, Trust your instincts. Uh, it never hurts to protect yourself. Um, if you think, for instance, you need to decursify yourself, just do it. Whether you're cursed or not, it doesn't really matter, right? You're not going to harm yourself. Um, but don't, like I said, uh, like Fish said, don't um, don't assume that there's an enemy around every corner, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's kind of the same thing, yeah. like you know, you know when you when you're when you're in the shower or when you're trying to go to sleep and you remember that dumb thing you did 15 years ago that makes you cringe in, internally and sometimes externally. Mm-hmm. There's a decent chance that nobody else remembers that shit but you, mm-hmm. and and it's kind of the same way with magicians. Like you might get into a bitch fight with somebody on a forum or Discord or where the fuck ever, even at a at a physical face to face meet. You might get into an argument, like some kind of dick measuring contest or a spat or whatever, 
there's a decent chance that you remember that way differently than the other person does. And they're probably not doing anything at you if you're worried about it. Mm -hmm. But if you are worried about it, it doesn't hurt. As Scott says, it doesn't hurt to go through the motions anyway. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Just don't make a big thing of it. Right. Right. Exactly. That's what I was trying to get at. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing I was going to say briefly is an end point. Um, if you have a daily banished practice or a daily devotional process, it really does help build up a kind of almost word buffer, you know, of just keeping the shit that's coming in out. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course, and we didn't even, I didn't even take a minute to talk about like the cleansing and banishing that happens before warding. So uh, sorry about mm -hmm. that, y'all. <laughs> we can, can have, figure that shit out <laughs> i guarantee you we will revisit this at some point we will revisit wards we will talk about it again it will happen hell yeah um also too um when we when we do uh liminal space and high strangeness i i want us uh, to talk about how to safely move through those spaces Ooh. i know i've mentioned my story before but I I don't think I've ever, at least for my for a traditional craft, how we would go about it. But I'd be interested to hear Fish and um, Sophia's sort of take on that. So uh, yeah, uh, we'll we'll I think we could kind of talk about that. But yeah, we'll do that in that episode. I think. I love this. All right. Yes, that sounds like a great idea. Um. All right. So with that, we are going get some sleep maybe <laughs> i don't know i'm tired mm -hmm. as hell um we I'm will starving. see you <laughs> oh yeah that too i am hungry as hell i'm, I'm sitting so here too <laughs> all right i'm gonna get a snack um but bye, we will everyone. see you all in the next one bye Have a good night. <gasps> good night. God, i need a bowl holy shit uh, <laughs> i've had like six of those <laughs> catch <laughs> up <laughs> bye <laughs>